بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الفهم وأكرمني بنور الفهم اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا خزان علومك برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين In our discussion about different ways of benefiting from the Quran we reached recitation and after talking about the significance of recitation then we started talking about the manners and etiquettes and last week we talked about some of the uh, etiquettes and manners which are uh, outward or zahiri and now we want to talk about those which relate to our heart and mind how can we make sure that we better understand the Quran and we better relate to the Quran with both heart and mind some of the things that can be said here are common between the Quran and other texts so if you want for example to understand a hadith uh, collection if you want to understand on another level a work by a philosopher or by a theologian okay so whenever you have a text and you want to reflect and comprehend that text so there are certain things that you have to observe and these can help you also in understanding the Quran and on the other hand you can say uh, if someone cannot understand or cannot you know read properly an ordinary text then how can he expect to understand the Quran okay so part of what we need to master is to have techniques of reading and comprehending for example we need to have focus and concentration when we read even with respect to texts written by people let alone Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you don't have concentration so maybe you read 10 times and you don't understand yeah for example if you have exam and you are going to review the book or maybe the notes that you yourself have you know taken yeah if you don't have focus and concentration you are not going to learn you are not going to remember anything certainly you are not going to come up with new ideas because even the existing ideas you are not able to understand and appreciate let alone bringing new ideas so we need to train ourselves to be good readers and once again I said this that 
as community, we have to work on this because unfortunately, reading is becoming something very rare and exceptional when it comes to serious reading. You know, it is true that, for example, uh, when you want to write a textbook, for example, for children or teenager, you know, you bring lots of pictures and, you know, charts and diagrams and different colors to make it attractive. Okay, I'm not against it. But I'm saying we should not be dependent on these things so that if we are given a serious text without any picture or any image or any color, then I'm not able to read and concentrate. So there are two things. One is to bring people to reading. But the other thing is for the people who are more mature, more rational, to make sure that they don't become dependent on these things. So there are people that if there is no picture or there is no color, you know, they will not read the text. Or if, for example, it's more than 200, 300 words, they don't read. This is very bad. And we have to work against this, you know, current. Otherwise, we become worse day by day. Uh, sometimes some people, only when they turn books, they look for pictures from the or, for example, uh, when there are books on akhlaq, they only look for the stories. You know, one of uh, uh, my friends, many years ago, this story is beginning of Jose's studies. He said he was asked by uh, Ayatollah Husseini Tehrani, you know, who has Ma'at Shanasi and Imam Shanasi. He was a student of Allah Abdullah. So in his Ma'at Shanasi, uh, he has lots of good stories and when the first few volumes were published they became very popular so he said uh, uh, this friend who is also son of a marja he said Ayatollah Tehrani asked me have you read my books and he said I said only the stories <laughs> so this is something which is not good uh, we have to be serious readers we have to be able to read even the most boring texts. Okay? I'm not encouraging writers to write boring texts, but I'm saying that we as readers have another responsibility. Okay? So lecturers have to give very good lectures, engaging lectures. But we as audience have to be ready to listen to the most boring lecturer. Okay? The one who doesn't bring any example, doesn't give any joke, nothing serious, but we have to be able to follow. So there are things that are about methods of reading and comprehension that we should benefit. And this certainly helps in reading the Quran as well. Okay. But there are some uh, aspects of the Quran which are special. So you need to work even harder, okay? So whatever people do in the world to understand, for example, a text from a philosopher, you should do even more when it is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yeah? Why people bother doing lots of research on understanding text of philosophers? 
you know, how many people have done their PhD on Kant? Okay, on Hegel, I don't know, on different philosophers. Because they assume that this man was a man of thinking, and in every sentence that he has said, he has something, some idea that we can understand. When it comes to the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's completely different. There we know that not only every sentence, every word, every letter is significant. Although Arabic language is a very powerful and very capable language, okay, but what makes Quran very special, even among uh, Arabic texts, is that the selection of the words are made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? I told you, I think once, that sometimes foods vary in their taste because of ingredients, but sometimes ingredients are the same. It's the art of the cook that makes it different in taste. Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used the same words that Arabic speaking people use. And I'm saying Arabic language is very important, but I'm saying what makes Quran very special is not just Arabic, is the selection of the words and the combination of the words which make it very special. And combination is very important. You know, if you have a safe, and you want to unlock the safe. It's not just important that you use the digits. The combination of digits are very important. So the way these words are combined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are very special and they can unlock the heart and the mind. If you try to open yourself to the Quran. So with respect to the Quran, we have to be even extra careful. Few things. One is that we need, as some of you mentioned, we need purity as much as possible. So when I'm saying purity, it doesn't mean that if you don't have purity, you don't understand at all. What we mean is that if you are pure, you would certainly understand. If you are not pure, you may still understand something, but there is no guarantee that you would understand everything or you would understand properly, okay? So by chance, maybe a very bad person can understand from the Quran, because Quran is a book of guidance and wants to change people. But if you want to understand, especially the depths of the Quran, you have to be pure. We had this ayah before: karim fi kitab la mutahharun." So, if you want to touch the Quran, which is in the hidden book, or you want to touch the hidden book in which there is Quran, you have to be purified. Of course, this is very high level. But the closer you get to that level, the more chance you have for touching not only the meanings of the words, but the reality of the Quran. If you can touch the reality of the Quran, 
then you would be in the best position. So the closer we get to that station, the more chance we have. But there is also something for the people who are not purified, for the people who are not mukhlas, mutahhar, and that is istaadha, to seek refuge with respect to shaitan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us refuge. You know, in Surah Nahl, verses 98 and 99. Although we have to always be careful about shaitan and ask Allah for protection and for refuge. Yeah? Okay? It's for all circumstances. But especially, this ayah refers to those who want to recite the Quran. فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنِ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ So this ayah shows that shaitan has a special plan against those who recite the Quran. Yeah? Because Quran is a source of light. Anyone who wants to go towards the source of light, shaitan has a plan for him or her. Okay? If you want to go to a bad place, shaitan wouldn't plan against you. But if you want to go to Hose, shaitan would make lots of plans for you. That either you don't go, or you go and you do, don't do a study or mubahisa. <laughs> or after some time, you stop. Yeah? Because it's important. Yeah? When you are watching a movie, you don't lose concentration. When you are saying Salat, you lose concentration. <laughs> because shaitan doesn't waste his time on bringing distraction to you when you are watching a movie. Okay? So, shaitan has a special plan for those who want to recite the Quran. Because this Quran is Noor. Okay? Shaitan is against Noor. So Allah says to be able to face and combat this, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنِ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for refuge with respect to shaitan who is rajim, who is rejected. Okay? So this shaitan who is rejected may try to make you also rejected. So you have to be careful. And you must know that this works. Don't say, how can I stop shaitan? No. Allah says, shaitan has no control over you. Has no authority. He has no sultan, means no sovereignty, no control, no dominance over those who have faith and they trust their Lord. So it means that there are people that shaitan has authority over them, but it's because of their own choice or behavior. Yeah. So if you listen to shaitan, then shaitan would take the control.
So this is very important. Although this is not maybe a permanent solution. The permanent solution is to become purified so that shaitan would not even think of coming to you. Yeah? But at least temporary. Temporarily, we can do this istaadha. But again, unfortunately, when we hear fasta'idh billah, we say, okay, say a'udhu billah min ash-shaytan. Saying a'udhu billah min ash-shaytan is not istaadha. Okay? If I tell you, ask Allah for help, what does it mean? Does it mean to say, Iyaka asta'in? To say is not the actual act of asking for assistance. Yeah? To say, A'udhu Billah is not enough. It starts with saying, but it should be a real request from Allah to give you refuge. Is it clear? So, esta'ada is not something just to say. Uh, Ayatollah Dasrib, Rahmatullah Alayh, has a book on esta'ada. And he says a person had written a book on esta'ada. Someone had a dream of shaitan and said to shaitan you are finished because so and so has written a book on istaadah and now people are going to you know do istaadah and you are finished then shaitan said i asked him to write this book <laughs> so it's not a matter of saying a'udhu billah or even giving lectures on a'udhu billah or writing a book on a'udhu billah. Okay? It's reality. Reality of a'udhu billah. Maybe there are people that even shaitan ask Allah to give him refuge with respect to those human beings who are so bad. It's a matter of reality that we should really seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's refuge with understanding Okay, so after seeking purity and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for refuge, which is like a temporary help that can come, then when we start reading the Quran, maybe few things can help us. One is to have a kind of deep silence. I'm not saying just silence. I'm saying deep silence. Because sometimes you are just verbally silent. You don't say any words. But you are talking still. You know, sometimes there are people that, for example, they are listening. But at the same time that they are listening, they are not listening. They are just speaking <laughs> you know you think they're listening to you know, to you but they are speaking and reviewing what they want to say so in their heart they are speaking in their mind they are speaking just they have closed their mouth when we want to read the quran 
we should try to have deep silence. Why? Because we believe that the Quran is not a silent text. Quran is a text which speaks if you let the Quran speak. Okay? So when someone and something is going to speak, what should you do? You should be silent. If I want to speak all the time, then I won't let the Quran talk to me. Sometimes I am verbally silent, but I am bringing my thoughts, my words, my ideas. Don't give me Quran any chance. A friend of mine said that, you know, his grandfather used to speak a lot. So when he was going with his friends, you know, for example, for a walk, he was speaking all the time. So when they were thirsty and they reached, for example, a river, salam alaikum. So he bent down to drink from water. So the friend said, now this is a good chance for us to talk because he is now busy with drinking. But he said he was moving his hand not to speak. <laughs> I'm going to finish soon. <laughs> not letting anyone speak. So sometimes we are like this. We don't speak verbally, but we are so much busy and so much we enjoy our own you know, words and ideas and opinions that even when we are listening to someone or we are reading a text, we are not letting that person speak to us or that text speak to us. So deep silence is very important. It's very difficult. One of the things which is very difficult is silence. And it is an art to master, to be silent, and there are so many things about silence that we have to observe. You know, sometimes we don't speak and our heart speaks. Sometimes even our heart does not speak, but we don't empty ourselves to let the other person speak to us. You know, it's, it's difficult. When I speak to you, I should empty myself from any prejudice, from any uh, presuppositions. Normally, in order to make things very easy for us, you know, this is the way I think our mind works. To make things very easy for us, what we do, we try to only get what is new and don't you know, spend energy for analyzing everything. So when you speak to me, okay, I have, an, I have a history with you. Based on that history, I try only to pay attention to what I think might be new. And therefore, to some people, we only pay 5% of attention. Some people, 10%. One of the difficulties between husband and wife is that because they have history with each other, they only give 1% maximum. <laughs> chance to the other person to say something new. Otherwise, everything is already filed. All the decisions are already made. No matter what the person is saying. I have already calculated 
everything and my, like you know, doctors, that when you go there, your prescription is ready. <laughs> With, <laughs> without offending you. <laughs> only, only rarely such doctors happen to be there. But it's like that, you know, prescription is ready. They don't listen to you. You say something, they already know what's the problem. You know, they had already had, for example, few people with this situation. So they already say, okay, he's the last one, for example. So silence is not easy, especially when it comes to emptying yourself. Let this person speak. Let this person say something and then analyze it and scan it. Yeah? You know, like the way you scan things. I think every person has the right to scan whatever he says from the beginning to the end. But unfortunately, we don't do this. We only scan part of what the person says. So when it comes to the Quran, you have to open yourself. Even you have to expand your capacity. Even normal openness is not enough. You have to expand. If you open yourself for other people, when it comes to the Quran, you have to stretch yourself so that you can get as much as possible from the Quran. So silence is very important. And comes with silence concentration. This is very difficult. <coughs> Unfortunately, we don't have normally good concentration. Some people have very good concentration, but uh, sometimes these people have good concentration, they have difficulty in life. You know, some people are very focused, but then they don't pay enough attention to what is happening around. Okay? So, you know, another friend of mine, he was a grandson, he's a grandson of Allah Batabai. And he said, Allah Batabai used to forget our house, means house of his daughter. Because he's so focused that he doesn't remember the house of his daughter. Okay? Of course, for Allah Batabai, this is okay. Because he was in, you know, maybe old age or maybe very focused. But imagine if you are, for example, a leader or, you know, leader of community, if you are not just a scholar. If you are just a scholar, you can just focus. But if you are a leader, you have to remember always thousands of time, items in, in a time. It's, so to be so focused can be difficult. Yeah? I had a friend who was very, very focused. You know, when he was reading, he was very focused. When, whenever he was borrowing money, he was forgetting. <laughs> because his mind is so focused. You know? <laughs> so it's very difficult to have this balance. When to focus and when not to focus. Okay? You have to master these skills. Of course, it's difficult. So something that I find very common in the Quran or du'as that we normally recite, you know, is that because we have been reading them many times, we don't have focus. And it seems that our mind 
is jumping over words. We are not really touching. Especially this happens to the people who know the language. You know, one of the big mistakes that happens, I have, you know, experienced this, for example, even in reading ordinary books or newspaper or whatever. Sometimes when we read, we just make sure that we understand every word. But we don't make sure that we understand the whole idea. You know? So if there is any word that I don't know, I stop. But if all the words are familiar to me, I don't stop. Do you understand? So, for example, I read uh, Dua Kumil. Allahumma inni as'aluka bi rahmatika allati wasa'at kulla shay. Everything is familiar to me. So I don't reflect on it. If there is a word that I don't know, then I stop and I look for the translation or whatever. So you have to train yourself to be reading with focus and concentration and don't let your mind jump. Okay? Your mind shouldn't jump. So I saw there are some good suggestions. I saw it in a text that maybe we can add to this, but I mentioned a few things and then you can. Uh, of course, this was not uh, mentioned about the Quran. This can be about other texts as well, but I think this is also what we can use. For example, maybe sometimes when we read the Quran, after reading one ayah, or depending on the size of ayah, one line, two lines, to stop and try to review in your mind what you have read. See, have you got the idea or not? If I have been reading carefully and with concentration, now I should be able to say at least 60-70% of what I have read. Because I have just read it. If I read and nothing remains in my mind, even, you know, sometimes maybe you have noticed, sometimes, you know, for example, we read Dua or Quran. Okay, 10 page, 20 page, for example, we have to read for, I don't know, Night of Qadr or whatever. For some reason, the book is closed. When we open it, we don't know where we reached. What does it show? It means that your mind was just jumping. So something that you have not read and something that you have read are the same. It's a problem. So after reading, if you can stop and then review by your heart what you have read. If the idea is clear, then it shows that you had at least a little grasp. If not, you go back. And if you train yourself, after some time, this becomes a habit. Another thing is that sometimes we use, we should use a copy of the Quran in another language. For example, translation of the Quran or another translation. For example, maybe you have only knowledge of English, so you don't know Arabic. 
But at least, for example, try to have two translations of the Quran. Three translations of the Quran. Why? One reason, because each translation may be giving you something that the other one has not given you. Or maybe there has been misunderstanding. In this way, you can check. I remember one of our Christian friends who was doing some study of the Quran. He used to say, I don't know, he uses eight or 12 translations of the Quran for every verse that he reads. It's very good. I don't know how many Muslims do this, to read eight, 12 different translations. So at least maybe two translations so that by comparing the words, your mind becomes sensitive. Um, for Arab people, Arabic and translation, or Arabic and another Arabic, for example, text which is like a commentary, so that the words become different and then you try to understand the differences. When you try to understand the differences, then your mind gives more attention. Okay? You know, one of the things that help us in understanding is comparison. Yeah? If I look at a picture, I understand to some extent. But if there is a similar picture next to it and I try to compare, I understand even the first picture more. Yeah? Because my mind becomes more sensitive, more focused. So if you have even knowledge of Arabic, try to read a translation or interpretation in Arabic or a commentary so that your mind becomes more focused. And here, as some of you mentioned, we can refer to the role of also tafasir, the books that we have on tafasir, whether it be hadith-based tafsir or tafsir written by ulama, because they have already been to this process. They have spent their life on understanding the Quran. And this can make the journey very short for us. Okay? Of course, we don't become like them. You shouldn't think that by learning Al-Mizan, you become Allah Tabatabai. <laughs> yeah? But at least, at least the journey becomes shorter for you. So when you read the books of Tafsir, then you can understand better and your mind gets all the subtle points. And of course, again, you can refer back to the text and understand the text better. Another thing that we have to observe is what we have in a hadith from Imam Sadiq Maybe we can generalize what is in this hadith. Imam Sadiq is quoted as saying, إِذَا مَرَرْتَ بِآيَةً فِيهَا ذِكْرُ الْجَنَّةِ We are now going into the meanings. When you come across a verse in which there is a mention of heaven, what should you do? Not only you should grasp it, you should focus it, you should you know, understand what is there, but also... Also, you should make a prayer there. So now you have an active role. So far, 
you were trying to understand, but now you try also to pray, to reflect, to you know have a, to play a role here more than just understanding. Fasalillah al Jannah. So you are making a dua here, and that dua is inspired by the ayah. And because Quran refers to everything that we need to observe. So if you do this for the entire Quran, so it means that you have asked Allah for everything that you need. وَإِذَا مَرَرْتَ بِآيَةً فِيهَا ذِكْرُ And if you come across a verse in which there is a mention of fire, فَتَعَوَّذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ النَّارِ Then ask refuge. With respect to fire. So it means that you take the verse very seriously. You try to apply it to yourself. You try to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this means that you become very alert. It means that you keep constantly thinking about hell and heaven. You th- keep constantly thinking about good opportunities and threats. Yeah? Problems that you have or positive things which are there. So, in the same way, we can generalize this. Some have suggested that, for example, if you come across a verse about good people, about salihin, about righteous people, try first to ask Allah to include you one of those good, uh, in the list of those good people, to make you one of those good people. If Allah praises someone for his patience, for his truthfulness, Try to ask Allah to give you the same quality. And of course, you yourself also should work hard to gain that quality. If there is a mention of bad people. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yada Abi Lahab. Okay, why Abi Lahab is cursed? What did Abu Lahab do? Maybe I am also doing the same thing. Maybe I am having the same problem. Or maybe the same problem can happen to me in the future if I'm not careful now. So we have to ask Allah for help. We have to reflect. We have to be careful. Or for example, there is an ayah about istighfar. Asking forgiveness. Right away ask forgiveness. Right away try to do tawbah. Try to compensate. So it's... A book which is also a manual, it's a prescription, it's a book in which there is medicine for and cure for our illnesses. As you remember, we said, Imam Ali says in Khutbatul Muttaqeen, Quran. They will try to understand and get from the Quran the medicine for their illness, the cure for their illness. Dawa means medicine. Yeah? And da means illness. And what is important is that when it comes to spiritual things, I'm not saying it's only about spiritual things. Maybe it's even about other things. 
for example, maybe even about rizq, it's the same. For example, when you want rizq, the ayah in the Quran which is about rizq can help, help you in increasing your rizq. Okay? So it's not just a prescription. You know, when the doctor gives you a prescription on a piece of paper, that prescription is not doing anything. Yeah? The prescription is just referring to you to the medicine. The prescription is not the medicine. But the Quran is not like this. When it comes to a spiritual things, and maybe even to the material things, but for the material things, it's maybe more complicated. Okay? But for the spiritual things, it's much more easier to understand. That the Quran is not just the manual. The Quran is also itself solution. The Quran itself is the medicine, it's the cure. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in the Quran not only a reference to what is the solution. The Quran is the solution as well. You know, like, for example, if we suffer from darkness, we need light. The Quran is light. The Quran is not a paper on which they give you the address for light. You understand this? If you want get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Quran is the path, not just address for the path. Maybe this is even for other things, but unfortunately our knowledge is very limited. Maybe with the Quran we can do much more in the world. Because, you know, this ayah in the Quran uh, is very moving. لَوْ أَنَّ قُرْآنًا سُيِّرَ بِهِ الْجِبَالِ أَوْ قُتَّعَ بِهِ الْعَرْضِ أَوْ كُلَّمَ بِهِ الْمَوْتِ If there was supposed to be a Quran, a text, by which you can move mountains. You want to move mountains. You want to move from one place in another place to another place on the earth. You know Qat ul Ard? For example, from here you want to be next minute in Mecca. You want to speak with the dead people. If a text was there which could help you in moving mountains or making the earth very short so that you can go from one part to the other part immediately or you could speak with the dead people, then jaza is not there. You know, Nahvino, Shart and Jaza. Mufassirin say Jaza is that this is the Quran. If there was a text to do this, this is the text. Unfortunately, we are not able to do that because we are too, you know, immature. We are too, you know, unfortunately, uh, little in our understanding. Otherwise, with this Quran, miracles can happen. You know, there were people who were saying, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, 
and yes, walk on the water. People who could say Bismillah rahman rahim and recite Surah Hamd and give Shifa. Why we cannot do? Because our recitation doesn't come with Haqiqah. Yeah, we just read the word, but we have not touched the Haqiqah of Surah Hamd. Anyway, with respect to even material things, I think this is the case, but at least with the spiritual thing, it's very clear that Quran is light. Not a, an address for light, it's light. Therefore, it is the cure for our problems and illnesses. So when we come across the verses of the Quran, which talks about istighfar, about tawbah, we should stop, we should try to do some examination of ourselves. What are my sins? What are my problems? What are my bad habits? Right away decide to do Tawbah and also try to make some decision to change yourself. Another thing, which is the last thing for today, is to try to think, this is also something that I wish you please, you know, think about it and study, uh, even about other things. The discussion is open, so if you want to add anything, we can, inshallah, discuss it ne uh, next session. But especially about this case, to read the Quran as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, speaking to you. To imagine. You know, it makes a big difference when you read a text of an author that you know. You know, for example, imagine if your mother has written something for you. Okay? For example, your mother knows that you are traveling. Okay? Or, for example, your mother is, uh, I don't know, uh, inshallah, uh, Allah gives long life to all the mothers. But for example, your mother is dying and is writing for you something that after her death, you are going to read. So she says, you know, my dear son or daughter, this is my advice for you. When you read this, I am not there and gives you some advice. If I read this, which is written by my own mother, I understand it in a way which is different from a person whose mother has not written this. If someone else reads, doesn't get that much. But if I read, it brings to me all my memories with my mother. Even I can imagine her tone and how she is speaking to me. You know? So the personal encounter with this letter would be so, you know, intense that maybe you cannot stop, you know, even crying. Yeah? And you don't want to let this letter to be, you know, lost, or you don't want to let this letter, you know, even to be away from you. You want to keep the letter, look at the letter, think about the letter, and always imagine your mother. So with the Quran, we should have this experience that when you read the Quran, imagine it is my Lord 
is speaking to me. Okay? So maybe even you can feel Allah closer to you than the Quran. Because you, Allah in our fitrah has such, you know, close relation with us established that we just need to remind ourselves of that intimacy that we have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a very important point. I want you to think about it and inshallah maybe we can expand on it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the Quran our companion in dunya and shafi in akhirah inshallah. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillah rabbil alamin.